0: Hello again, everybody. Uh, I'm John Chef. I'm the Director of Public and Industry Affairs here at Danfoss. And I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Danfoss Foss Visioneering Exchange podcast. Uh, in previous episodes, we've talked about everything from uh, uh, the overall picture for refrigerants in North America and, uh, and the AC application. Today, we're going to dig a bit deeper into commercial refrigeration and food retail with our guest, Peter D. He's the uh, sales director for food
1: retail here in North America. Peter, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, thank you, John. As John mentioned, yes, I am the uh, food retail sales and services director for North America. Uh, My responsibilities are um, mainly looking after all the food retail end users in North America, uh, the food retail OEM manufacturers, and also contractors responsible for the food retailer end users. I've been with Danfoss for the last eight years, moved here from Ireland, um, where my experience in food retail is over 28 years. Uh, It's been a real interesting move here from Europe um, to North America and see how the trends are developing in North America, which have been very similar to the historical trends in Europe. And what I mean by that is looking at the, the food retail end users now looking at natural refrigerants here in North America and also new technologies such as case controllers, rack controllers. But even taking it further, the end users are also starting to look at the valuable information they can receive from monitoring these technologies in the industry. And today in Danfoss, we also offer those services of monitoring their, their assets and their stores to to protect their product lines. Great.
0: And, and so with those trends, can you just give us a, a little... Uh, background on the industry in general: What are our grocers looking for, and uh, and how are they behaving?
1: Yeah, I think I think the end users today are looking for how can they adapt natural refrigerants into their industry today, uh, and that that entails in involving new technologies, as I mentioned, such as electronic controls. That's a big shift for the industry. And it's a big shift for the food retail end users because there's a huge learning curve here. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, coming from Europe, th- that was staged in in Europe more so than here. And what I mean by that is the progression in Europe started off with you know, decentralized and centralized systems. And they started to use electronic controls at the first stage. That was mainly really driven by the cost, utility costs in Europe, and there was incentives involved at that stage in Europe to help end users move to these new technologies. That was an enabler then for them to move into natural refrigerants such as CO two. So it was a step learning curve. Unfortunately, here in North America, you know those new technologies such as case controllers and rack controllers are combined today with natural refrigerants at one shot, right? So now they have to work on new technologies, new refrigerants and not this step change. So it's a big learning curve, not just for the end users, but for the OEM manufacturers, uh, manufacturers like ourselves introducing these technologies to the contractors and the OEMs and the end users. And that means everybody working together to support these refrigerants and also these technologies. And I think by doing that, and we've seen it in the last number of years, that has been successful if we all work together to, to make this happen for the, for our customers, which is the end users, the food retail end users.
0: And and these end users, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the market and the industry in general. They're very um, sensitive to, to efficiency and, and to cost savings, right?
1: And they are. And that's another part of this, is efficiency. And energy savings is a big part of this. Um, So the the end users today are facing all these challenges in North America. Um, How can I make my stores more efficiency to help my top line, to help my sales? And and the only way we can get there is using these technologies. But as I also mentioned earlier, monitoring these stores after the fact when we introduce these technologies. But even with existing technologies today, we're actually starting to see our end users um, optimizing their stores. And this is also a new shift. right? So it also helps the contractors to understand what the end user's goals are in existing store formats, retrofits, remodels, and new store formats. And, and it's all about efficiency. How can I gain those efficiencies? And, and that's a huge learning curve um, at this stage in North America. And, and we're getting there. As I said, it is all about working together to get to that end goal.
0: So Peter, it sounds like the industry is experiencing a lot of change from uh, market-driven forces, but there's also a lot of regulatory changes that are forcing uh, some rapid rapid developments too, right? Talk, let's talk about California.
1: Yeah, as, as, as I mentioned, it's not only just about technology, but um, as you said, there's a lot of regulation coming into play as well, which which is also where the end users and manufacturers like ourselves need to understand and how we can support the industry that way. And as you mentioned, John, you know California regulation, what does that mean? It means life is getting more complicated for the food retailers and suppliers. Um, this means that they will be dealing with state-by-state requirements on a number of issues. Um, even for those not currently doing business in California, the US Climate Alliance covers nearly half the states and over half the population in the US. Um, the good news is there um, is an awareness among the states and they want to minimize the differences in state regulations, but this will be up to state regulators and not industry experts to execute this. Mm-hmm. So let's talk specifically about what's, what California is doing and how that's driving driving
0: the market. They have proposed for commercial refrigeration uh, a GWP limit of less than 150 for systems uh, a greater than 50 pounds. Uh, of charge by 2022. I know that's a lot, but let's unpack that and what it means for the
1: industry. That is a lot. And, and again as you just mentioned, is it's a proposed, okay? So there is opportunity for the industry to have their voices heard here. And and that is what California and CARB are looking for, to hear the voices from the industry to make sure we're all on the right path to meet the state's needs. And what they mean by that is, you know, retrofits are broad, broadly defined in California regulations, meaning that any changes to a store can qualify as a retrofit. And today in the industry, that is what end users are doing. When they're not building as many new stores, they're retrofitting their existing store formats. and. This is, this is going to be a big change for them, and it's an obstacle. And um, what does that mean? It means any refrigeration equipment that is first installed using new or used components, or any refrigeration equipment that is modified such that it is expanded after the date that you mentioned is 2022, at which this sub-article becomes effective to handle an expanded cooling load by the additional of components in which the capacity of this system is increased, including refrigerant lines, evaporators, compressors, condensers, and other components. So there's not a lot of room here, right? I mean, they're covering all areas that's in the refrigerant system. Or replaced or commutative replaced three years after the date, which is 2022, you mentioned, at which the sub-article becomes effective such that the capital costs of replacing or cumulatively replacing components exceeding 50% of the capital cost of replacing the entire refrigerant system, okay? So if we look at that, if you're going to exceed the 50% capital, you need to replace the system, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a huge cost.
0: But this is, a, this is all open to, open to interpretation also, because you can conceive of a scenario where uh, a, a store is replacing their cases, is ex- replacing things that are not necessarily part of the refrigeration system, but are adding more than 50% to the original cost, and do they then have to go back and replace the refrigerant?
1: And there you go, right? There's a lot of gray areas here, and how can this be addressed? And the only way it can be addressed is by the retailers getting involved here in the process, right? So that their voices are also heard. And us as manufacturers can also help them on, on leading that direction, right? And at the end of the day, California CARB have an end goal. They're also looking for support. How do they get meet their end goal without eliminating what the end users costs are involved here. We need to have them involved to understand how this industry works.
0: Um, I mean this is all very interesting, could have huge impacts uh, for, for the food retailers and, and for for customers, uh, their customers in, in the future. Um, let's go back a little bit and talk about what are the current refrigerants in these older stores in uh, that, that food retailers are using. And then uh, based on this 150 GWP limit for these larger systems, what will they have to move to in new stores and these larger retrofits?
1: And that's a, another interesting question, right? Because if we, if we just look at California and eventually the other climate-aligned states that are following suit, right, um, will be limited to certain refrigerants, right? Uh, Today, refrigerants like 448A and 449A are good choices for lower GWP refrigerants. But as soon as two years from here, right, uh, these will no longer be allowed in systems with greater than 50 pound refrigerant charge. So, you know, if end users are moving this direction already, they're already subject to change down the road, okay? And is this a short gap for these end users to, to meet current requirements to get to that? Who knows? That's their decision. Um, I think the only choices for long-term sustainability and insurance are natural refrigerants. And that is CO2 and propane, right? And, you know, if we, if we look at that, um, and that's where Europe started to move to. And you know, if we look at natural refrigerants in Europe, there's over 20,000 installations just on CO2 alone. But they're also using other natural refrigerants, such as propane. And that will determine, I suppose, on the si- size of the store, the application type, what makes sense. And this is also very important for us in the industry to help and support the end users, help make those decisions.
0: And okay, so I, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's talk about, um, you know, for new stores, like you said, I think CO2 makes a lot of sense. Uh, but what are the issues for an existing store that may be, you know, going under one of these retrofits, changing from an HFC system to CO2?
1: Yeah, and that's difficult. That is difficult, right? That you know, CO2 is a perfect solution, as you said for a new store application because you can implement it straight away from the design all the way through. And we can work together uh, with the OEM manufacturers and the contractors to make that successful. For a retrofit scenario, that's very, very difficult to introduce CO2 into an existing store. Um, I I believe the end users today in North America would love to see some sort of solution here. and, And maybe there is, you know, maybe, uh, CO2 condensing units can help here, You know, um, self-contained cases, uh, using uh, micro-distributed systems, uh, water-cooled self-contained cases, etc. cetera. Um, so this will help provide the legacy systems. And again, it might be when you're doing a retrofit in an existing store, it's really thinking about that retrofit, how do we move forward with that? Uh, keeping some of the old legacy equipment that's in the store on, lower GWP HFCs, with maybe a self-contained water loop system, maybe CO2 condensed units. So it could be a mix and match. That then creates other issues, right? Because this store has to be maintained. Now we end up skilling the maintenance engineers responsible for the stores and the maintenance contractors responsible. So there's, there's a lot of ownership here across the industry, and it's not just the food retail end users. We all own it. And I, I think you've hit on one of the
0: complexities and maybe one of the paradoxes of this California regulation, especially on retrofits, is that they are trying to move these existing stores into lower GWP refrigerants. But by forcing this type of regulation, they may actually cause these stores to maintain their older systems as long as they possibly can.
1: And, and, and that is so true. And I, I think that's where California CARB are looking at. Is there other solutions? And I do know they're talking to end users today. Um, is there other solutions that they can put in place to help them meet their needs? And you mentioned it earlier on. That could be around energy efficiency by optimizing uh, your sites. And it could also mean entailing bringing in new technologies to help those get efficiencies to reduce the carbon footprint in their stores. This is all being explored at the moment, and this is where, again, everybody needs to have their voice heard in this industry, especially in California, because whatever California sets might lead the way with the other states. And I I think I heard you mention modular
0: systems. Um, I think this is pretty new, and could this help solve this this problem of
1: the 50 pound limit even in some of these larger stores? It, it can. It can possibly help. Um, again, then there's a lot of infra- infrastructure, especially on the larger stores, of installing these units into an existing store format, right? There's complexity there as well. But it's not as complex as trying to put a CO2 system into an existing store. I think... This is where the support needs to come from the OEM manufacturers, the consultants to help our end users. What is the right application in the right environment at the right time? Without disrupting the current business for food retailers today, which is their shoppers.
0: And like you mentioned, this is a very competitive space with very slim margins and where efficiency is really driving a lot of the activity. Um, it sounds like a, a lot of cost could be added here, particularly in California, but then in the other states also.
1: And you're right, there could be a lot of costs added, and there will be a lot of costs added. And um, and you know, when we look at other states, as you mentioned, Delaware are looking at helping to finance these costs, right? So this is a different direction from the state of Delaware instead of California. And we're also reaching out to the utility, utility companies. How can they support here? Because it's also a benefit for them by making these stores efficient.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. I think the utilities need to be involved. Uh, and, and like you said, the Delaware uh, um, incentive program seems actually uh, pretty beneficial. And they've put some money behind it. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, the food retailers. Uh, let's talk about contractors for a second and what they need to do to get prepared for this change.
1: And and that's also very important, right? Because with all these technologies and natural refrigerants coming in place, you need the contractors and you need the experience to help the end user to meet their needs. And from a contractor perspective, again, it's training. Training on the new technologies, understanding the refrigerants. And there is a lot of training opportunities out there from manufacturers like ourselves in Danfoss, but also the OEMs, and also some of the training colleges are adapting to these new natural refrigerants and technologies. I, I think that refrigeration contractors, maintenance contractors, also need to be looking at signing their own internal and expert to help advise their techs and their customers on these technologies come forward. Because these systems are getting more complex outside
0: of the refrigerants, right? Just the technology, the connectedness, um, talk about that a little bit.
1: I, I, and I think you're right, it's, it's, it's getting more complex. Um, but then, I, uh, you know, complexity will help these techs, because the more technology you can bring into the industry, it'll be easier to understand how the system is operating. You can also do remote diagnostics once you have these technologies in place. And a lot of organizations are looking at that and looking at how can we help the service techs today? Because unfortunately, we're not getting a lot of service techs into the industry,
0: right? Well, that was my next question. I think we've talked a lot about in the industry kind of the graying problem. And it's not only that we are running out of service techs, but these service techs, like we said, need to be increasingly sophisticated in what they're doing. Like, data is a big part of this. Um, how, how are we preparing?
1: We're, we're preparing, I think, by understanding the needs of the contractors, right? From a manufacturer standpoint, we, we need to get their experiences, their requirements, their needs, and, and use that knowledge and introduce it into the technologies, right? So like preventive maintenance, like a quick check, tick off list. Here's the options of that could be wrong with your system. Maybe one to five, check, right? And using technologies today like smartphones and tablets, because that's where the industry is going, and we need to follow path with that. And yeah, I mean, this is
0: an important issue. When I talk to policymakers, whether it's, it's lawmakers or governors or, or people like that, we always talk about workforce. And, you know, these are not your grandfather's HVAC tech jobs. These are sophisticated jobs that, that require sophisticated people.
1: Yeah. And, and we can't get away from the fact, right? Electronics and, and data is not going to solve all the problems. You still need the hands-on techs that are going to be working with these refrigerants. And, you know, We talk about propane and the challenges. We talk about CO2 and pressure challenges, right? But I think from techs and contractors, we need to look at that. It's a refrigeration system and work through it that way instead of looking at what are the obstacles and work through it. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And and, you you hit on a little bit, our kind of the end-to-end nature of the business, the monitoring, the installation. Um, It's the refrigeration system, but really the whole store is connected, right?
1: And the whole store is connected, and, and that is the direction it's going. Um, and, and the reason why, you know, the store is connected is again about optimization, is about energy efficiency. We can't just look at separate entities now within the store. It is a full connected environment, and that's the way the direction is going. Um, and, and, and then that leads to other challenges that the industry is looking at is IT security. Okay, we see California leading that way as well. Absolutely, and, and again, in you know we're working with the likes of HRI. Ashray are working through IT security for our industry, um, and that's also nice to see how there's alignment across the industry to make sure we get it right first time. What should the standards look like, right? And and that will give some comfort obviously to the customers, the end users. They want to make sure that whatever technologies are introduced into their stores, and connected, are secure from external hackers.
0: So that's a good point, and I think uh, you know we've seen it. We're very involved with HRI and some of the other trade groups, but HRI is also very involved with with uh, the associations that represent the food retailers themselves. And I, I do think that we, as an industry, are speaking with with one voice here to California and to other states. So I think that's a good sign. Um, so let's let's wrap up here. We've talked a lot about California. But what are how how are these regulations in this uh, this transition affecting different regions of the country? Are we being affected differently? What can we expect to see?
1: And I think, yeah, if we look at the Climate Alliance, we look at the different states and the different regions, they're, they're looking at it in different ways. But I, I think when they look at California, I, I think they'll take aspects from that. And again, as we said, it's a proposal at the moment. How does that fit? And how can we move that possibly into other states? Uh, States will make their own decisions. We've got to work through that in the industry and and help support our customers in those particular states that are driving this initiative. You know, I think there's no getting away from the fact that state regulation is changing the way the industry needs to look at, at the future on alternative refrigerants in order to be compliant. So it's all about being compliant and we need to help work through that with our Other OEM manufacturers, other manufacturers, and the end users themselves, including contractors.
0: And yeah, I mean, there are solutions out here to this kind of patchwork problem where there's legislation uh, in, in the U.S. Senate right now, the American Innovation and Manufacturing Act, which would give EPA the authority to implement SNAP 20 and 21. So that could be a solution, particularly for food retail and for commercial refrigeration. Um, Well, I think we're going to wrap it up with that. Thanks a lot, Peter. Um, And uh, we look forward to, to talking to you some later time. Thank you, John. Bye.
2: this podcast is for information purposes only the views information or opinions expressed during the envisionering exchange podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and not necessarily represent those of danfoss llc and its employees danfoss llc is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening on this site this podcast series does not constitute professional advice or services this podcast including danfoss llc and the producers disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects of information contained herein opinions of guests are their own and Danfoss LLC in this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about the guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is available for private non-commercial use only. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Envisioneering Exchange podcast site assume no liability for any activities in connection with this podcast or for use of this podcast in connection with any other website. Say computer or playing device.